we exist to come alongside people who are hurting, who are broken, who are messed up, to come alongside them and give them love and to give them grace and to give them encouragement until they can rise above it and walk on that path on their own. We are Pathway Church, located in Burleson, Texas. We worship together, we serve together, and we grow together. And uh, let's begin here in prayer. Uh, God, we give you thanks uh, for this great, beautiful, awesome design of women. That God, and, and your great genius, and God, there's nobody on this earth, a female or male, who has your genius your creativity, your outside of the box, outside of the universe, outside of the scope of our understanding thinking to create and design a human species. And you would name her woman. And you would shape her mind and her heart and her body and her biology and all of her chemistry, God, where you could actually use her for some of your greatest work, and that is the creation and the birthing of humans us and sometimes God will really stop and think and reflect just the miracle of life through this human species we call woman oh, we're in awe and forgive us God if we ever so take it for granted get so used to this thing called birth even our own birth God that that we don't understand the miracle. So God, we pause on this day, even as we continue to celebrate the resurrection of your son Jesus, to celebrate the, the, the great gift of, of women, and particularly our moms and our grandmothers and those ladies in our life who have influenced us and impacted us so much. And just pray you would bless them, even as we strive to live up to what all this day means. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Amen. And God, while you're at it, man, for those women in Ukraine, for those moms in Ukraine, just, uh, just grieving, just be with them today. Please, please, please be with those moms today. Okay, well, uh, we, we thought about uh, inviting you to share a mom's story, but we thought if we did that, there's no telling how long that would take. And not only that, that the stories would be so far all over the map and everything. Uh, the, uh, some of your stories, if you shared them right now, they'd be just rich and just joy-filled. Some would be pain-filled, and you would leave just crying, just kind of really just uh, really full of angst and frustration and whatever. So we're, we're not going to do that, but we are going to do some other things that hope going to help you. But, you know, we all have a mom story, but Chris and I don't have mom stories from being a mom. Only you have that from us three up here, Cheyenne. So I do. you just got a mom story to kind of help us kind of, what is it like to be a mom? Sure. I actually have one from that occurred last night because I have a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old, and if you've ever raised a preteen girl, you know it's kind of like having whiplash um, because <laughs> everything is changing at a rapid pace and you're just, you're just trying to keep up. And my 12-year-old, my there she is. I always have to ask permission to post anything of her, about her on social media. I had to ask permission of this, and through my 10,000 photos, she chose this one. 
Um, but when we left last night, um, she was like, Mom, you can, you can start sharing stories about me now. You can start talking about me now. And I was just like, who are you? <laughs> but that's just an awesome picture of parenting. Like, they change so much. And I think God uses lots of different ways to shape us and mold us. But man, motherhood has been, motherhood has been the way that God has reached me consistently over time. And through that process, I've... I'm still becoming, but motherhood's been a blessing. You like being a mom. I love being, love being a, mom. a mom, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and acknowledge this, that today, this moment right now, this today, is one of the most emotionally complex days of the year. Some of you have strained relationships with your mother, issues that you've never resolved. Some of you are moms, and you just would say, you know what, I have some adult kids in my life, and this is kind of complicated. I'm not sure where we actually stand all the time in our relationship. Uh, some of you never got to be a mom. You wanted to be a mom. The biology didn't work. The legal system didn't work. Foster care, whatever, and it never happened. You find, and so you find this kind of emptiness and feeling left out and devalued a little bit, and kind of, what, what am I missing? Uh, some of you on this day, uh, you remember when your daughter or your son died. And even though maybe it was years ago, you're a mom. And I don't, I don't know that a mom ever, 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 ever fully heals from the death of this child that came out of her body. And then there are some of you, you're... You're still you're grieving the death of your mom who's gone on to live in that place that Jesus prepared for her since the beginning of time. And maybe it's pretty fresh and raw, and for some maybe it's long ago, but there's something about this day that kind of stirs some of that stuff up. And then there's some, there's some of you here, it's just a joy-filled day. I mean, you're, you're excited, you're happy, you're, your heart overflows, you got all these meaningful things to celebrate, and you feel good about it. I mean, all over the map. Today is one of the most emotionally complicated and emotionally charged days of the year. And in the middle of all that, we say we are followers of Jesus who are striving to be rooted in the ways of Jesus. We have a command. Ephesians 6, beginning verse 2 and 3. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So what, what does it look like for you, thinking about the reality of your life, your story? Everybody here has a story. If you're here, you've had somehow or did or do a mom, and you have a mom story. What does it look like for you in the reality of your story to honor your mom? So we're going to kind of talk about that and try to hopefully help some folks on that a little bit. And we're going to begin this message where Cheyenne and Chris and I are going to share a few stories about our own family tree, the roots of our own family tree and the legacy of how it's impacted us. Hoping it's going to prompt some things within some of you throughout the day that you'll do this yourself. You'll stop and share with family or kids or spouse or your own mother or someone some stories. Help this and you may find a way to honor. But then also at the end of this message, we're going to give you three words 
Hopefully it's going to help some of you honor a mother or grandmother that's not very honorable. It might help you wrestle with some of the complicated emotions that, that you're feeling right now. So let's start by sharing some stories. And uh, since, Shine, you already kind of shared a mom moment, Chris, let's kind of start with you. And uh, who, who do you want to start with in your family tree to kind of get, let us get to know a little bit? I want to start with uh, my, my grandmother. Uh, my mom's mom is my, I called her, she was my nana. Um, she was a, just a, a beautiful soul. Chris Bohan with hair. Yes. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief, I was not always bald. That day did exist, although I'm sure my hair started falling out shortly after that picture. <laughs> but my Nana, uh, I, I'll say this. I think I've learned more about grief through my Nana than, than anybody else. Um, and in, in, in many ways, I'm grieving more now than I, I did years ago when she passed. She passed in 2008. And uh, some years before that, she developed dementia. And that's, that's one of the hard things about dementia. As it starts to do what it does, it kind of robs you of that experience of, of grieving a specific time when your loved one is there and then they're not. And so with my Nana, it was just gradual fading away. And it, it really took me a couple of years after her death to really begin the grieving process. Uh, but it's been a, a, a very helpful thing, too, because I've been able to think back these these stories. My, my Nana, she, she grew up in the Great Depression. And so she, she knew the value of, of everything. And she, she knew how to save. She knew how to make things stretch in ways that I just I can't imagine. And never missed the opportunity to find a way to provide when there wasn't much there. When I was in college... I always knew if, if uh, there was a family member that was in the hospital, because if, if there was somebody that was in the hospital and my Nana had gone to go see them in the hospital, she would come back and she would stop by my house on, on her way home when I was in, in college. And while she was at the hospital, she knew I loved coffee. And at that time at hospital, they had little instant coffee packets and, and little sugar packets. And so she would get uh, uh, quite a bit of those, put them in a little Kroger sack and go by my house and just drop it off at my door. Because she's like, oh, Chris likes coffee and here's a way he, I can help him save money. And so she would do that. So now whenever I see little sugar packets, I mean, I think about my Nana and how she uh, would, would always find ways to provide for us. Uh, she was a, a, an intelligent woman. A smart woman, man. She was smart. She was a reader. Uh, she, but she, she loved to dance. Like that was the thing. She loved to dance. And when I was really little, as, as far back as I can remember, she taught me and my brothers how to waltz. And at the time, I didn't really understand. And, and she told me, she said, "Chris, you know, you're, you're younger now, but when you get to be about high school, you'll thank me." She was right. <laughs> She's a, an incredible woman, and, and when I think about the, the moms in, in, in my life, I, I think about her. She was, she was my advocate. Had you back. Always. All the time. Cheyenne? Yes, this is my mom, and my mom said the happiest time in her life was when I was little, so those are the pictures that I chose. She loved Halloween. I think she really just liked... She looks like Elvira. She, that, is, that is Elvira. Our house was the go-to place. Um, she poured herself in Halloween. I really think she had a lot of demons, and I, I think she really just liked being someone else mm. for a time being. Um, my mom was unruly. 
She has been banned from Italy, <laughs> and we have been deported from the Philippines and Bahrain. Needless to say, she is fiery. And one of my, my favorite stories that she would tell, and I, I don't want to offend anybody, but to honor her, I have to use the voices that she would use. But at least once a year, she would tell the story of when she brought me home at four months old. And she took me to the grocery store because in a small town, that's where you take your kids to show your kids off, like communities at the grocery store, the gas station, and at church. Um, so the first place she went was the grocery store. And a, a gentleman walked up, and this is one traffic light town, population less than 1,000. There was, I didn't see another Asian until I was 16 or 17 years old. So to see a tiny Filipi Filipino baby was not the norm. And a gentleman walked up and looked at my mom and said, what language do you think she's going to speak when she grows up? <laughs> <laughs> and my mom looked at him and said, you moron. That's not how people work. That's not how language works. That's not how learning works. She is going to speak the language that she hears when she grows up. Don't ever ask me another idiotic question again. <laughs> But that's a good picture of who my mom was. And I think I have a super healthy adoption story because if you ever questioned that I did not belong to her, she would cut you. <laughs> she would come out of nowhere and cut you. I was never confused that I belonged in a family. It was dysfunctional and she was wild, but I always knew I belonged somewhere. Yeah. Staff, we, we stay away from Cheyenne when she's upset because we're afraid she'll cut us too. I mean, that legacy, she's feisty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she yeah. did raise me to be, uh, well, she was a force to be reckoned with, and it, it definitely. And to speak up. And to, to speak, a, up, speak up. So I, I'm unafraid of forces that come my way. Yeah. I, I want to I share a passage because this really just pops out and this describes my, my family tree, and I know not everybody has this. Uh, the two of you probably don't have this the way I have it. Every family tree is different. But in uh, 2 Timothy, over in uh, chapter 1, verse 1, Apostle Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So my grandmothers, this, this right here are my, are my two grandmothers. Uh, on, on the right is my Granny Brown. Her name is Leona. Was Leona? Excuse me, Chris. I did that. And that over there is Grandma Owen, and her name was Lona. So meet Leona and Lona. That was a mouthful when you were a kid growing up. And um, there, she was born on the left. She was born in 1900, and my Granny Brown was in 1913. They uh, had very different lives, but yet their lives kind of kind of converged. Um, they were both lived during the Depression, much like you're talking about your grandmother. They both had very, very little. Uh, they both graduated from high school, got married when they were 17. Uh, my grandma Owen, there on, on, you saw on the left-hand side, you still see it, I guess, she had six kids. And her youngest, which is right younger than my dad, a little girl, she died at six weeks of age, six, eight weeks of age, and she never got over it. I mean, she never got over it. She had two sons. That went to World War II. They both came home, but they didn't come home the same. And my grandma Owen never got over it. She had another son and another daughter who both had muscular dystrophy in wheelchairs the whole life. One of them, my uncle, lived with my grandma Owen until my grandma Owen died. 
And then he had to find some place else to live and live with our family for a while. So my grandma Owen, she felt this, this heaviness her whole life, just really just kind of a weight. She's a very serious person. And then my Granny Brown, on the other hand, if they show that picture of her, my Granny Brown, she had a twinkle in her eye over there on the right. I mean, she just always laughed. She was always barefoot. She was a hard worker. She was just an amazing human being. She would beat you at anything and laugh at you, uh, especially 42 in dominoes. She was a master. She could cook anything, anytime, just dirt poor and she just found a way to make ends meet. So did all that sort of stuff. And, and I remember just all the things that she did for me special. Now, what you need to understand about these two ladies, that these two ladies became best friends because both their husbands were in gospel music. And they would go to these gospel singing conventions. And so my grandmothers became best friends before my mom and dad were ever born. So these best friends are married and they start having kids and they grow up, and my mother and my dad meet because those two women are best friends. It's an incredible story. So my mom and dad have known each other the whole life because of my grandmothers. And uh, my granny Brown, uh, she played the piano just all the time. I would go stay with her, and she said, Ricky boy, come stand by me. And she would play a Christian song, and she would sing it out loud and have me sing it out loud with her. And then my grandma Owen, she would sit in her rocking chair just all the time reading her Bible. And she had the names of all of her family members throughout her Bible and, and prayers written for all of her family. And I remember her just sitting there, and I would sit in the little rocking chair right by her, and she would speak into my life as a kid out of the Scriptures. And I'm convinced that the faith of these two women planted a seed when I was a little bitty boy that this is what I would do with my life. And it's just... It still blows my mind to think how God can do stuff like that. So that's my, my I, could, I could say a lot of other stuff about my grandmas, but I'll, I'll stop right there. So, Chris, what do you, what do you want to share? So, uh, my mom, uh, if you know my mom, you know this is true. My mom is a, a legit hippie. She has been, she always will be a hippie. That's just who she is. We should have a picture of her up there. I want to show you something. Um, this is at my wedding, <clears throat> and uh, what she's smiling at right there is um, I surprised her at that moment. My mom is a huge Beatles fan, loves the Beatles. I hate the Beatles. I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> if this offends you. I grew up, I'm, I've always been a huge George Strait fan. My mom hated George Strait, and I was like, how do you hate George Strait? How's that possible? And so my own child logic, I thought, well, if I love George Strait and she hates George Strait, if she loves the Beatles, then I hate the Beatles, right? That makes sense. And so I've always hated the Beatles, and she knows that. Uh, yet for our uh, mother-son dance, I, I surprised her. I chose the song, In My Life, by the Beatles. And so she comes up, she hears the song, and she gets that just huge smile on her face. Uh, but that, that smile that you see, like this of all the things that I could say about my mom, the one thing I can tell you for sure is that she loves being a mom. And she loves it. You ask her what, what's the favorite thing that she gets to do, and she'll tell you, I love being a mom. Whenever I first met my wife, she already had Aiden. And one of the things that I noticed about my wife that I loved about her right away was I could see that same thing in her, that she loved being a mom, and I saw the way she treated Aiden, and it reminded me of how my mom was with me and my brothers and my sister. You know, she became a single mom at such a young age, 
in a world that she wasn't prepared to live in, yet she did what she had to do to make sure that we had what we needed, made sure that she, she wanted to rewrite the, the legacy of our family to go from people that didn't even finish high school to people that would have the opportunity to go to college. And she provided a way for us to be able to do that, me and my brothers and my sister. Even to the point that when I was in high school, she went and got a job at TCU so that we could afford to be able to go to college there. So she was very instrumental. She was not the perfect person, is not the perfect person. But man, she loved being a mom. Loved being a mom. Mm -hmm. Cheyenne? All right, I chose my mother-in-law, Lisa Davis, to honor in this next story. And... Lisa Davis, for me, is the gospel in motion. She began to change my mind about what it looked like to be a woman, a mother. And I just, I can't even imagine where I would be without her influence. And I don't have one story of Lisa Davis. It has just been 17 years of beautiful, impactful micro moments of her showing me what unconditional love looks like what uh, love without a catch looks like, what love without an agenda looks like. And as dysfunctional as I was raised, Lisa has taught me how to function in the world and, and just little simple things. Like I wasn't taught by my mom how to cook, but Lisa, like if I have a question, she is there and she's so humble and she's so brilliant and powerful. She's probably going to smack me later and say, why are you telling lies about me? <laughs> but that's who Lisa is. She does not want attention. She does not want credit. And she has just been a pillar of strength in my life. Um. This is my mom, and we could be here for two hours, but we're not going to be. Uh, on the left-hand picture, you see uh, my mom, my dad, and me and my three sisters. That's a long, long time ago. And uh, my mother dropped out of high school. She was a high school dropout to marry my dad, who was seven years older than her. And my dad was not leaving until she said yes, because he was convinced, and because they, they grew up knew, knowing each other, and my dad went off to the Navy, he came back, all of a sudden she was not a little girl anymore, she was a 15-year-old woman, he said, we're getting married, and, and so when he asked if I'd get married, my, my granddad cried, because he knew my mother was so smart that she, was, she would have the chance of going to college and making a difference, but she dropped out of high school and got married, had me when she was 17, and then she had the rest of us. Um, and one of the cool things I remember about my mom is really kind of weird. So when I'm 13, my mother's 30. My friends asked to go out on a date with my mom. <laughs> that's freaky. And I said, no, that's not my mom. That's my sister. They said, isn't that your sister? I said, no, that's my mom. They went, oh, yeah, sorry. And I said, yeah. I mean, but my mother was so beautiful, and she always has been, and she still is to, to this day. Uh, but my mother is so smart that after she got my dad through seminary, and we were dirt poor, we had nothing. My mother made all of our clothes. Uh, she would go to my, my granddad's garden to get food so we would have stuff to eat, and she cooked it all and found ways to do it. My mother just was so resilient in that regard. Um, but then as soon as she got, my dad got out of seminary, he made good on the promise, and she went back to school. I don't think my mother ever made a B. She got her GHD, or GED, and then she went to college, and I don't think she ever, ever made a B in college. It was just straight A's. And uh, my, my, my mother's just brilliant. I mean, intelligent. 
It would make one of my uncles so mad because he was so smart at chess and Scrabble. And my mother could beat him. I mean, my mother could just win. I mean, if my mother could win at will at anything that requires her brain. And she would just look at you and smile. You know? and, and she would enjoy it all the time. She's just so good at winning. And, and she's so smart. Um, the, the best way I could describe that, my mother, affection in my heart for her, um, I want to tell a different story. Four kids had nothing, but every birthday, my mother would cook for each of us whatever we wanted for our birthdays. We got to pick, and she would find a way to get it on the table. She could cook anything. My mother's an amazing cook. And for me, it was strawberry shortcake. And I used to tell this story all the time. This is where I learned about the goodness of God and the theology of the importance of the individual. Is that we all got exactly what we wanted. She would make this strawberry ice cream a strawberry shortcake, and she would clean all the strawberries, and she would pull out the very one best strawberry she thought was the best outside and set it over here. She would cut up all the other strawberries, serve everybody's meal. She would serve me my strawberry shortcake. She would go get the one perfect strawberry she said she had pulled from the bunch and put it on top of my strawberry shortcake and say, you are the strawberry, you are the top of the top in my life. I love you more than you can imagine. I've been saying that since I was a little bitty kid. And, I mean, what do you do with that as a human, you know, to have un- that unclear, clear message? And guess what we're having today for, for, for Mother's Day? And she's coming over to our house. You know what we're having? Strawberry shortcake. And my mom is bringing it. And I can't wait to have some and everything like that. Uh, but my mother is just just this. I mean, she's just tough, and her faith is uh, unmatched. Taking care of my dad right now at 92, and she just doesn't waver. You know. We all have different stories. We all have different families. They're all different. None of them can be the same. They don't have to be. But here's what I know. Healthy families... Healthy families deal with reality. And they name their brokenness. And they talk about it out loud. That's what healthy families do. And healthy families who are followers of Jesus Christ, they find a way to honor, honor even families and moms that aren't very honorable. And this is why it's important. See this picture right here from Dallas Willard. This quote from Dallas Willard. It's about, about why that second part of the great commandment. This promise is it will go well with you in your life if you honor your mother, honor your father. Is rooted in the reality of the human soul. A long and healthy existence requires that we be grateful to God for who we are. And we cannot be thankful for who we are without being thankful for our parents through whom our life came. They are a part of our identity. And to reject and be angry with them is to reject and be angry with ourselves. To reject ourselves leads to sickness, disillusion, and death, and spiritual and physical. We cannot reject ourselves and love God. Followers in the ways of Jesus rooted in his way. I don't care how complicated or dysfunctional. They find a way to honor their mother, regardless of how bad it is. Toxic, 
Next statement from Dallas Willard. We will never have the easy, unhesitating love of God that makes obedience to Jesus our natural response unless we're absolutely sure that it is good for us to be who we are. It is good that you are you. Say it with me. It's good that I am me. Say that. It is good that I am me. Until you come to accept that, your body, your mind, your heart, your personality, your identity that's rooted in who your mother was and your family is, until you can say, it is good for me to be me, in the identity I have for my mom, you are never going to enjoy the last part of that passage, so you will enjoy your life as you live on the earth. You will never do that. And for some of you, that's really, really challenging. I get that. Maybe your mom was a bully. Maybe your mom was controlling. Maybe your mom was needy. Maybe your mom was absent. Maybe your mom was abusive. But until you figure out to fulfill this command of honoring this complicated person in your life, you're never going to fully be able to embrace the life that God has given you right here and now. And you're always going to be wanting to try to be somebody else. So here's what we're going to do here to try to help you honor these complicated people in your life and to enjoy your life. We're going to give you quickly three words to fill in the sentences there in your message notes, whether on the app or on in, in your hard copy notes to kind of help you wrestle with biblically how do I honor someone that's just so hard to honor. So Chris, why don't you take the first word? So the first word we're going to talk about is honesty. Because this is where, where it really begins. We're talking about honor. It begins with honesty. Honesty about who my parents really are and how I feel about them. Uh, I, I wonder how many of you, whenever you, you, you talk about your, your parents or your moms or your grandmothers, you, you do it with the rose-colored glasses. Like every time you talk about them, it sounds like you're reading a Hallmark card. Like that's what you're doing. What I want you to know is that the way that we honor our parents, our, our moms, our grandmothers, is really is finding a way to be honest about who they are. I know in, in uh, my family for a while, there was a, it was kind of an un, unwritten, unspoken rule that, you know, once a family member had passed, all the memories, all the conversations about them became 100% positive. You didn't, you didn't talk about the negative anymore out of respect for them. And, and what I, I've, I've come to realize, though, you, we, we've heard this phrase, we, we use it a lot around here, to speak the truth in love. I want to offer just a quick little turn of that phrase, and I want you to consider this. The only thing that you can speak in love is the truth. If you're not speaking the truth, then you're not speaking in love. You're, you're just, you're not. And you end up doing the opposite of what you think you're doing. You're not honoring your mom or your grandmother or anybody. You actually dishonor them when you only tell part of their story. Because what you're saying is who you really are it's not good enough. I need to create a, a, a vision or a version of who you are and then present that. That's going to be the model. And then in, in the same way, I'm revealing my own insecurities. And when we do that, when we only, we only tell the story through the rose-colored glasses, we're missing out on something really, really important about God. And that's this. And 
In Hebrews 11, the writer, he's, he's telling the story of the faith tradition to the people about where they came from. And he highlights some very specific things. In verse 4, he says, by faith, Abel offers a sacrifice to God. In verse 7, it says, by faith, Noah, he builds an ark. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed God. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac, he invokes future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Verse 27, by faith, Moses, he leaves Egypt. He leaves he leads the Hebrews out of slavery. In verse 32, he talks about, about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. He's telling the faith tradition. But the people that were receiving this, they knew the full story. We know the full story of these people. We know. We know about the dysfunction of Cain and Abel. We know about the drunkenness of Noah. We know about the impulsiveness of Abraham, how he didn't want to wait on God. And so out of his own impulsive nature, he takes his, uh, servant, uh, his wife's servant to create a child, to try to deliver on the promise that God said God was going to do, but Abraham was impatient. We know about how Isaac played favorites with his kids. We know about how Moses and his journey, how it began through an act of murder, abandonment, and then doubt. We know about Gideon and how he had to test God three times before he would believe him. We know about Samson and how his arrogance, it crippled his own ministry. We know about David, a man after God's own heart, took in another man's wife and then had that man killed. We know the full story. We know it because the Word of God loves us enough to give us the full story, the full picture. And when we tell our story, our family story, the legacy of where we come from about our loved ones, and we don't tell the full story, this is what we're missing. We're missing the redemptive history of God working through our family tree. Because when we read this, this whole story, it tells us yeah, there were some people that did some really cool things, but guess what? They were also broken people. And despite their brokenness, God used them anyway. And when we can find a way to be honest about our family story, about our parents, our grandparents, where we come from, we're not just showing the highlight reel of, of their accomplishments. We say everything. We say through all of this, through the good and the bad, the redemptive history of God was made known through our family tree. That's what we do. And that's why when we, when we want to honor our moms, we want to honor our family, it begins with it being rooted in who they really were. That's it. Okay. Honesty. Honesty. The, uh, the next step is to accept who my parents really are. And for me, um, I, was, I was raised, I was one of those stories you just talked about, Chris. I was steeped in dysfunction. Um, my grandmother passed it to my mother, and it is dysfunction is something that I inherited and that I also perpetuated in my own relationships until, of course, I met the family that I married into. And I realized I had a golden opportunity to possibly be something different than the, the behaviors and the dysfunction that I had inherited. Um, but I had, to, I had to do the work of getting honest about my story first. And once I was able to name my dysfunctions and name the challenges that I face, 
I was truly able to accept who my parents really are. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 15, verse 7, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For a long time, accepting was not something that I could do. I remember I sent you an email after a sermon that you preached, honor thy father and mother. And immediately my mind and my heart had to pump the brakes because I just couldn't go any farther than that because I, I wasn't raised by a mother who, who did a lot of honorable things. Um, but through the work of honesty and finally accepting, we had a different story finally. And I think that's so important. Like what Paul is trying to do here in this in this chapter is he's really talking about what it looks like to be unified by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Even though we are different than other people, we think, believe, behave differently. And that's something that I had not known how to do. And I think it's because I used to confuse the word acceptance with approval. Approval requires me to be on board 100% and agree not just acknowledge, but agree with the behaviors that I saw that I wanted to reject. Approval required something of me that I was never able to give. Approval began with me and my experience. But right here, accept one another. Acceptance does not start with my experience or your experience. Acceptance starts with the understanding that Christ accepted us broken and dysfunctional and yet we can be unified to him through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So honesty, acceptance, and the third word there is gratitude. And gratitude reminds me God is working for the good, even in my complicated parental relationships. And I want to emphasize this is not a formula. This is a process. It's not that you do one and you do two and automatically you'll get to three. You take one and two and you throw them in the, in the dryer like your clothes and you let them tumble around your soul. You know, acceptance and honesty, acceptance and honesty. And you just get honest and honest and honest and you accept this truth. You accept what, how you feel, what you think. You accept it just like Christ has accepted you. And eventually, I believe, over time, little strands, little threads of gratitude for this complicated part of your family tree can emerge. And gratitude does not mean that you're grateful for everything. Gratitude means you're not thankful for something that you are thankful for something. Here's the best way I can describe this. I was preparing for a funeral with the family, meeting in my office. It was for the matriarch of the family. Everything's going well, preparing for the service. I said, we'll start talking about the mom. And most of the family was speaking pretty well about her, had good things to say, but this one woman had nothing to say. And finally, when we kind of got to the end, I turned to her and said, can't you just share something? She said, it'd be better if I said nothing. Finally, I asked the rest of the family to excuse themselves. And it was just me and her in my office. And I said, okay, let's talk. Let's, what's, what's going on? And she got honest. And I don't mind telling you, I don't blame her for how she felt about her mom. Through her eyes, what she experienced, how, how she felt. And then we started talking what it meant to accept, to accept that as her reality, her real family story. What does that mean to really accept this is truth for me and my family tree? 
And then I told her, I'm not going to let you walk out this room until you write down or tell me at least one thing that you're grateful for for your mom. Because if you can't find it, you're going to struggle for the rest of your life. And she just looked at me like, you're crazy. She sat there and she sat there and she sat there and finally she made one statement. I'm going to quote her. This is a quote. She said, I'm grateful. She paused. I'm grateful that my mom didn't abort me. That's all she could say. And you're thinking, man, that's pretty sad. That's the, that's the only thing that you could come up with? But I will tell you, that was the beginning for her. That was the beginning of continuing to be honest and accept. That was the beginning of coming to a place eventually where she could say with deep, sincere gratitude in her heart, man, I'm just glad that my God, my, that my mom gave me life. I'm just grateful for that. And I really am glad. I, it got better. I really am glad. And that changed her whole attitude with her family and joy. And it just began with that simple, simple statement. But it took a lot of work for her to get there. It didn't happen overnight. At first it came out just as words. It took time for her to really mean it. And that set her free. For some of you, you need to understand what gratitude really means. Gratitude means that you stop rejecting your family tree, even the crazy dysfunctional part of it. Gratitude means that you stop demanding perfection from a human being who can never be perfect for you or satisfy your every want or need. And gratitude means you saying, I know that God is always working for the good in everything in my life, even when I can't see it. And I know that's true, even with my toxic, crazy, dysfunctional mom. I know that God is good. That's what gratitude is so important. It's connected to the goodness of God, that I know God is good. And so I mess through that and I find a statement that I can hang on to. So here's what we're going to do before you can walk out the door. You see right there in your message notes, hard copy or on your, uh, your, uh, your digital, on your, on your app, it says gratitude exercise. Right now, once you begin to think, let it kind of tumble. If you could write down just one sentence online, please do that as well. Please share it with other folks that you're worshiping with online. You could even do that. It'd be a beautiful experience for you to do that. But to write down right now one sentence that you would just say that you're great, grateful for, for your mom. What I don't care how small it is, the least it could be. So we're going to give you a couple minutes to do that right now. Just be thinking about it. Come up with a sentence, something that you're grateful to your mom for, grateful to God for your mom. Write it down. Put it on your phone. You might want to text your mom after a while. If you can't, tell God. Ask God to tell her. Ask God to tell her she's in heaven. One statement. So that you may enjoy a long life. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Long, see, it's not about your mom. It's so you might enjoy long life on the earth. Because if you don't, you're going to struggle.
That's just a fact. Give you another minute. Stay with us online, okay? Be, join us. If you got it, I want you to turn to somebody next to you and share it with them, okay? Share it with somebody next to you. Share it with them. Chris, what you got? I wrote down, I'm grateful my mom taught me the value of being a lifelong reader. A lifelong reader. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about you, Cheyenne? I'm thankful my mom shows me at birth and every day after that because she was so savage with her love for me. I have always known I matter. Hey, I'm just grateful that my mom got married at 15. <laughs> I've known her for a long time, and she's still cooking. We're going to have a good time this afternoon, aren't we, Mom? I can't wait to hug you, Mom. It's just so awesome that I still get to do that. Hey, uh, I, I know this is hard for some of you, and you still need to struggle this afternoon. But I want to encourage you to do it. Chris, would you give thanks for our mom? Just pray a blessing over, over this body. And would you kind of pray for healing, Cheyenne, where healing's really needed inside our family tree. So would you do that? Father God, we thank you that uh, every day, every day, where, wherever we look, if we look for it, we see your thumbprint. We see your spirit of love, of grace, of mercy, of comfort, of nurturing, of creating life. We see your thumbprint in that way when we look at moms. Everywhere we look, we see your presence in a unique way, in the way that you have designed moms to function, to fill a need that we all have, but a need that, that you provide only through moms. And Father, especially, especially today, I want, to, I want to say thank you for the way that you have gifted the women in our world who, for whatever reason, have not had the opportunity to become biological moms, but still have such a wonderful, beautiful gift of maternity, and they use that on all of the children that they see, and they fill in the gaps where gaps exist because of the biological mom. We thank you that today we experience life through the gift of mom. And God, we just thank you so much for being the ultimate healer. You offer healing that is available to us at any time of the day, because in this room, we know that some of us will not be going home to a mother that is cooking a meal. Some of us come from homes where our mothers were anything but honorable. And God, we know that you know every story, the depth of every single story in this room. But God, we just thank you that we can find healing and sanctuary and refuge in your all-knowing presence. And so God, for the healing that you have already put in motion in our lives and the healing that you are calling us to, I just praise you for doing the work and calling us and giving us courage to do the same. We love you. We glorify you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. 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 Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Have a great day. 
Thank you for joining us. If you would like more information on Pathway or to get connected to a ministry, visit our website at pathway.church. We look forward to growing with you as we worship together. God loves you. God is with you.